you're going to be uncomfortable, but it's ultimately how you learn and how you, how you achieve that. So I guess to answer your question, my habit that I've tried to form is, is really just poise and uh, understanding that there's going to be uncomfortable moments in each, with each project, but how we respond and how we can, I would say, ask the right questions and take that in stride is how we can be better for the, for the next time. Welcome to the Placemaking Podcast. Podcast. The show geared at helping real estate developers learn and understand important aspects of the development process while improving communities one at a time. Each week, we'll discuss major facets of the real estate development process with industry professionals. Now, here's your host, Matthew Lowe's. Hello and welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining the show. I'm extremely excited about our guest today. Cameron is a great friend of mine and a project manager at Cornerstone Projects Group here in Fort Worth, Texas. Cameron has been successfully managing projects with Cornerstone for almost three years now. His architectural background gives him a unique perspective and a skill set when tackling development opportunities that I think you'll find interesting. Fermi works with Cornerstone Projects Group. It's an award-winning development, architecture, and construction services firm, offering solutions for office, retail, and multifamily projects here in North Central Texas. So in this episode, we're going to discuss ways to mitigate risk to your development schedule and budget, selecting a project team, and ways to track the performance of your project throughout the development process. I'm excited to dive into this show. So as always, if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and share with your friends. There'll be more exciting conversations on this show to come. So without further ado, let's start the show. Hey, welcome to the show, Cameron. Hey, Matt. Glad to be here. Thanks for the invite. Of course, want to, wanted the best of the best to <laughs> show up on the first first few episodes. Yeah, uh, I'm excited. From my previous introduction, Cameron is, is a project manager with Cornerstone Projects Group, full-service development architecture and construction services firm here in Fort Worth. Could just give us a, a little intro into yourself and a little bit about Cornerstone. Yeah, so... You kind of covered Cornerstone. We're a full-service real estate development, architecture, and construction are three main, you know, kind of profit centers. And how I kind of fit into here at Cornerstone is I actually was was trained as an architect and following A and M worked in Houston at a large architecture firm. Kind of fell in love with the big picture of real estate and the opportunity that development offers and was able to kind of connect with Cornerstone up here with Nolan and able to make the transition over. And since then, I've been doing some architecture and construction and development. We do, we kind of try to do it all. And uh, it's been really fun getting the broader picture and experience that development has to offer. Awesome. So what made you, I know you said big picture real estate. Is this what you wanted to be when you grew up or was it, yeah, <laughs> was it yeah, something you question. just kind of fell into? You know, I think I, I had a romantic idea of architecture being kind of the sole driving occupation or profession 
in the real world that the decision maker, the kind of driving factor. And while, while sometimes that is the case, architects are extremely vital to the built environment and process. I think they're a component and they're a great piece of the pie, but just having the opportunity to really see the full breadth of a development from beginning process, uh, final conception and the actual built structure. That's what really draws me to, to development. And I get to work a lot with architects. I get to work with architects here at Cornerstone, contractors, construction, and then development is really where I get to see that everything come together. And from brokerage, banking, like I said, architects and construction, just, just the whole pie. I guess yeah. that's what is so engaging and uh, exciting about being on the development end. Being able to see all aspects is, is pretty special there at Cornerstone. Yeah, it's, um, like I said, I was trained as an architect and obviously know the, the importance and they're such a vital tool and resource. Both senior directors uh, here at Cornerstone have architecture backgrounds as well as myself, so we do not take that lightly. Design is such a such an integral part of the development process from cost analysis and from uh, overall vision casting, you really have to spend time and dollars in the design process and architects definitely drive that. Right. And so you made the transition to a project manager that handles pretty much every aspect of, of the development project. Can you tell me a little bit about how you, how you guys select the team? I mean, right now you... <laughs> You have a majority of the team already on staff, but yeah. uh, for those outside of the organization. What we do on a project is, first of all, capture the vision that we're, you know, that we're trying to, we're striving for and who can be a part of that vision and who shares uh, that vision. None of our work is done in isolation. We, there wouldn't be very good development and it wouldn't be feasible and wouldn't get very far. So I think that's one of our first things is figuring out our vision and then the people that align with that. Yeah, so many different mindsets, different ways of thinking that ultimately make project management probably pretty difficult. You have architects that are, are more of the visionary types, engineers uh, like myself and the structural engineers are concrete in their thinking. And, and <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> yeah, to, to put it lightly. And then you have, you know, interior designers, which are also more, more visionary, more, I guess, end user driven. Right. How do, how do you communicate with, with all those different personality types? Yeah, I think, I think when you're talking about each within the timeline of development, I think there's a different phases. And you can talk about the phases of financially or within design or within construction. But maybe from just a design standpoint, there's a kind of brainstorming or very like fluid conversation that I think happens at the beginning that where communication is is not really tailored to be overly structured, but everything is on the table. You're meeting and you're expressing the intentions of whether it be the owner or you as a developer is empowering um, everyone to share that vision and to what what designs are kind of thrown out there. I think at the beginning is can be really an open forum, and from there, I think you start to tailor your communication and your your platform to organize and 
you know, communicate effectively. One of the things that we use is simply, especially with owners or within our team from a design standpoint, um, and that can be engineering, interior design, structure, whatever it is. Uh, we use we use Basecamp, which is pretty fluid to organize all of our thoughts and conversations at the front end, um, and that really keeps everyone informed about what selections that we're choosing and how that's informing the price point and how we're communicating everything so it's on an open forum. And then once you kind of move past that, you start to structure your conversation and organization to be much more streamlined and a little more direct just so that we don't have a free a free for all uh, during the yeah during the either you've in you've ended design and now we're moving into more of a structured uh you know we're getting into construction we're moving into the final stages of a development and we can get a lot more streamlined in our communication to achieve our final result in a time efficient manner because as everyone knows in development world, our our time is critical and an important impact to the financial viability of the project. You mentioned streamline and efficiency and timeline, <laughs> all yeah. important. Right. So how do you how do you track the the performance of the project? Uh, how do you track efficiencies and and budgets throughout throughout the uh, the project? Yeah, I kind of mentioned, you know, some of the practical tools that that we use here at Cornerstone. But I mean, one of the biggest things as far as like a, a development project goes is one, always tying, like I've talked about with a vision, always tying back to the vision. But then that vision ultimately is supported or succeeds or fails based on the financial viability. And so our first phase of any project starts with like everyone talks about that back of napkin or cost cost analysis of a project. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times that we won't even talk about that in because not, you know, nine out of 10 of those cost feasibilities fail because it doesn't, it doesn't uh, make sense or isn't the best case for or best path, best path forward from a design. So we don't uh, move forward, but if it does, you know, we get to the second and third kind of feasibility stages and I, to answer your question, I just think we always tie back into what informs that pro forma and mm-hmm. what budgets tie back to whether it be design uh, from architecture, engineering, and structural to eventually contractor input, subcontractor input. And we're tying all that back to that back and napkin approach that eventually turns into the Excel pro forma that we then use as really the Bible to like move forward in a project and at each juncture analyze the cost impact from everything, land costs, site design, as I mentioned, and hard costs, how that informs that pro forma. One of the practical examples that we use is in construction, a software called uh, Procore, which really helps yeah. us streamline that community. It's a great communication tool, not only in budgeting and communicating through RFIs and through submittals. It kind of keeps everything in one spot instead of searching for, you know, emails. And uh, <laughs> you, typically we move away from Basecamp at the design phase to really integrate everything to that one platform in, in Procore, which uh, some subs like, some subs don't, but you know, we make them <laughs> use it to to help ourselves out and to kind of have everything in one spot. 
Right. And I think that's unique to Cornerstone is having those three disciplines per se, the architecture, the construction management, the development, all those arms under mm-hmm. one roof could be potentially easier to tie back in budget to design to the pro forma, you know, going back to development. Right. And and seeing how those seeing how those three relate throughout the process, which that's gotta be unique to Cornerstone. Yeah, it really makes our team critical in the age it's it's the most important thing on a team and just communication and understanding that just because we have all those in-house doesn't make it less difficult to mm. communicate we still have to have internal communication that is amazing because that's what our clients and uh, our investors and who we're serving expect because we do have that in-house and so uh, we take that especially seriously because as everyone knows, who runs a construction project or is a part of a development team, um, there's just so many moving parts, and mm-hmm. we have to make sure that we are just in constant communication. So that's something that we're daily striving to improve upon and offer as a just great service here at Cornerstone. Those are perfect points. Uh, communication is important <laughs> no matter what piece of the puzzle you are. It's, it's invaluable. A lack of communication is uh, is an expensive problem to have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think as a developer, that's what's challenging. Is every you're touching every kind of role in the development process, from geotechnical, legal, marketing, and all those people have to share your vision, have to understand processes, and have to understand they're part of the process. That's, mm-hmm. that's what's critical. Is as a developer, we understand uh, the big picture and are well-rounded to be able to approach each person in the development process with poise and understanding and dignity based on our knowledge of their role. And so they have to understand their their part in the process and we have to communicate that effectively to move everything along. No, nothing, Nothing's worse than calling the uh, civil engineer or the, <laughs> the marketing group and not being on the same page you know, after a few weeks of maybe poor correspondence or whatever it is and being, Oh, I didn't, I didn't know that was, that, that was the intent. It's like, well, Mm. (laughs) uh, so that's, that's just where communication is so vital and constantly finding better ways to hold our consultants and, you know, subcontractors and designers accountable so that they can hold us accountable and that we can move the project forward just effectively. Awesome. So, you know, we mentioned pro forma earlier, we mentioned communication, and now I'd like to dig into how to reduce. I know it's not possible to effectively (laughs) eliminate, but reduce potential risks to the pro forma on projects. I mean, that could be anything from potential deadlines, right? um, RFIs, that kind of thing. How do you how do you analyze a project prior to getting into it and kind of get your mind around the potential pitfalls? Yeah. I mentioned earlier just the process in which the development goes through with those kind of the risk and f- feasibility stages that you kind of go through and through that like inception and then the refinement and then ultimately the feasibility and then making it happen. I think one of the, the biggest ways to do that is one sticking to that process and not letting yourself deviate from the plan while that's easier said than done you still have so many critical 
areas and expertise that you're trying to cover during this timeline and process. And so what, like you mentioned, our objective is to get out in front of those and to encourage our consultants to help us and inform us in the areas that we may have blind spots to. Um, that's where it goes back to knowing your weaknesses, knowing knowing your blind spots as a company. You know, here at Cornerstone, I would say maybe we're more, our backgrounds are maybe more in design and architecture. We, we have financial background and construction background. So maybe we fall, or we obviously have to rely more on legal, when legal comes into approach or when engineering comes into place, we have to rely on those people to kind of get out in the forefront and and get ahead of us in those areas. You know, with the potential risks, I think if you understand the overall process, and as mentioned, getting out ahead of those, specific example is kind of before you get to that second second phase of feasibility, just from a, we haven't really talked about the public component, but the public mm. component is such a right. vital part, even as a private for, for-profit for developer, mm-hmm. where every single project you're ever going to do is, is your the city and the government is is your partner in it. And one of those things is understanding so many of the times that we're going through project that's financially feasible. It makes sense contextually for the environment. One of our biggest hurdles and and not as a detriment, but it's just a necessary process is that government entity and understanding the roles that your side will have with neighbors, with councilmen and women and the processes that take place at the government level, minimizing those risks by we pride ourselves in being Fort Worth based. We're, we do projects throughout DFW and Texas, but having great relationships with within Fort Worth helps us overcome some of those risks that are just in place when um, developing and we can speak with landowners, uh, adjacencies and communities and shareholders in the community we believe we have a, a good relationship to make these developments happen and work and, and work hand in hand with the neighborhood. So I don't know if that's a roundabout way to, you never want to have, you're always going to have risk um, mm-hmm. in a development, but the more you can get out ahead of them and rely on people that can identify your blind spots uh, and that can, I think that's the best, those are the best consultants and in, in groups that we use are people that bring attention to you know, it's an uh-oh moment for us when we we haven't seen it, but we like to get the bad news sooner rather than later. <laughs> yeah. So it's a little um, cheaper. Yeah, exactly. That's a great point about the community is always impacted by a development. Yeah. In one one shape form, and that's another part that you just you just can't predict is, right. is people. You can try to mitigate the potential for or opponents by by attacking that early and, and yeah. discussing potential projects with shareholders such as the city and, yep. and adjacent property owners. I believe that's that's something you can't prepare for, but you can definitely try to mitigate the potential for opponents by uh, being upfront, being honest, and, and providing information to all these people. Because more often than not, surrounding property owners just need that additional information and uh, and don't necessarily want to be out of the loop. Yeah. And I think that also gets back to our responsibility as a developer or design builder is, you know, we talked about vision at the beginning and hiring the right team 
who knows your weaknesses, but that vision doesn't go to just your team internally, but also it's cast out to those people in the community and you have to effectively communicate your vision to them Mm -hmm. um, in order for a mutual understanding and hopefully a agreement because we've had instances where it makes sense on, you know, the back and napkin approach passes, the feasibility passes, the design is great. Everything is in line. And then we kind of move to that next step, maybe too late in the process and the neighborhood isn't on board. And so either it's been a really tough conversation and we have kind of, you know, enacted our vision and they've sometimes been on board, but then other times they haven't. That is a tough lesson to learn. But then also it's, it's just a natural part of the development process. Mm-hmm. You want to be cognizant and empathetic to the ideas and perspectives of your surrounding community, because ultimately that's what improving and, and enhancing the society around you is our goal. Right. You're not in the business of creating developments cause lower property values. <laughs> that's not, yeah. That's not the goal. Uh, it's to improve the community as a whole. When you get into these projects, do you have a certain routine for creating schedules or organizing the project to maximize the potential for success? Yeah. Um, I mean, schedule is is such a imperative here. Um, I mean, so many timelines financially, legally are dependent on there's a there's a date from which the title is due and legally when we acquire the property, you know, this is due and we have, there's all these implications that are, are driven by tight schedules. And from when our loan closes, when our construction period interest ends, all these are not just arbitrary timelines. They have specific cause and effect on the financial financial viability of a project. So that's really, it's probably the second place we started at on a project is the, the timeline and schedule, probably before that, a rough design or I guess a concept that's backed up with a, a simple pro forma and then really a timeline and how we can, by timeline, it's sometimes maybe even as simple as like six line items in which mm-hmm. you go through design, city approvals, or even before that, the viability, the design, city approvals, construction, throw in marketing and other necessities. And then as far as getting that broad schedule at the forefront, you kind of give yourself internal deadlines that you can communicate um, when you engage all the necessary parties and say, by the end of this date, this is when we need X, Y, and Z. And Mm -hmm. it just gives you a concrete basis to start from giving everyone the expectation um, once you've communicated the vision, but then also the expectation for everyone to be successful. Because one of the biggest lessons I've learned with being able to be a part of the construction process here at Cornerstone is in the project management of, of our subcontractors is just ultimately communicating the, the end date and the, the schedule is so critical uh, because it gives everyone that goal in mind. Usually there's no problem indicating the scope of work, but then by which the speed and, and process that they have to work to to achieve that, that drop dead date. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's extremely important. Discussing those expectations up front. A lot of times, either they're they could be too busy. I mean, there's internal internal schedules that everyone keeps, and yeah, you know, making sure that that schedule is understood is is extremely important for all parties. Yeah, and there's there's opportunities as the project moves forward and becomes more and more detailed, just like any set of drawings or any financial model it becomes more and more detailed. And I think we've all seen a 18 month construction project. There's, there's line items, there's 1200 line items for, you know, schedules and processes and dates that each subcontractor has to hit. So the more detailed and larger the project is, and the more we drill down into those significant dates and extrapolate each line item to create a really, once again, streamlined approach that helps you achieve your vision. I appreciate your time, but I have one more question for you, Cameron. What is a habit of yours that you believe brings you success in, in development? Oh, man. <laughs> I blindsided you a little bit. No, no, you're good. I appreciate that. I think that actually is a part of what I'm, I'm going to say is, you know, enjoying, finding enjoyment and I guess ultimately success and being put in, in uncomfortable situations. I think a lot of times we fall back into our own comforts and our own ways of doing things in the past. And what I love about development is the opportunity to be put in uncomfortable situations like we talked about mm-hmm. earlier. There's so many tentacles that a developer has and where and how they impact a, a development is so broad. And there's going to be times and until I have, let's say, 100, 100 developments or 100 projects <laughs> under my belt. Um, or some gray hairs. Maybe. Yeah, or some more gray hairs. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to become, I'll, I'll be better with each project. And with each project, there's going to be turns and twists and turns where, you're going to be uncomfortable, but it's ultimately how you learn and how you how you achieve that. So I guess to answer your question, my habit that I've tried to form is is really just poise and uh, understanding that there's going to be uncomfortable moments in each with each project, but how we respond and how we can I would say ask the right questions and take that in stride is how we can be better for the for the next time. So essentially. A habit of learning for every every twist and turn that happens and like you said it happens quite often for you guys oh yeah probably almost a daily occurrence oh yeah and i think you know also having the habit of of humility to say you know what i've never experienced that before but i'm gonna i'm gonna find that out or i'm gonna research that and and get back to you so <laughs> you're never gonna you're never always gonna have the right answers even if you do have 100 pro- projects under your belt you're always gonna be learning so get comfortable with get comfortable with being uncomfortable love it yeah love it thanks cameron for your time i'm gonna let you get back to it get those 100 projects under your belt yeah there you go <laughs> thanks again all right thanks matt